0: You don't pull on Superman's cape, you don't spit into the wind, and you don't interview the boss. We're about to break one of the rules here on The Chuck Williams Show.
1: You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is The Chuck Williams Show.
0: Welcome to The Chuck Williams Show. We took a week off last week, and I hated we weren't able to do it, but we were kind of... At the mercy of the White House last week, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, we were hoping to have two people to talk about Colonel Ralph Puckett, but the White House hadn't made the announcement that he was going to receive the Medal of Honor, so we had to scrub that. We will bring uh, John Locke and um, Rob Choppa back later. But we've got an incredible show tonight. We're going to start back with a thing. The voice you just heard introducing the show is Jean Kirkconnell. Jean is the news director here at WRBL News 3. Um, he's been with us for two and a half years. I think we walked in here the, pretty much the same day, didn't we, Gene?
1: Yeah, we were almost holding hands. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. This,
0: and, Thanks you for know, joining me
1: or having me here. And, hey, you know,
0: this, you know, this does feel like your room because the studio we're sitting in right now, the podcast studio, was I mean, this is literally your baby in a lot of ways, isn't it?
1: Uh, I knew we had to get in the game in terms of digital original shows and i had a vision in my mind of what i thought you know we could do to make that happen in a very high quality way at very you know as low expense as we could (laughs) manage to pull it off and i got to tell you the you know the uh the crew here our our technical folks gentry creamer our chief engineer namely specked out all this stuff and all kinds of people had hands, little things like, you know, the color of the walls. It's, it seems really, really simple to paint the walls, quote, broadcast gray because we had some ideas about different colors. But and I said, well, OK, let's do that. I took the advice of dozens of people and little points along the way and. You know, when you see the quality of the lighting in the room, part of that is due to just a simple thing like the the background color of the walls. And so little things like that, the kind of small but really, really high-quality cameras, the microphones, all the stuff. And then, you know, Dylan here, who's punching the show right now, I mean, Dylan has uh, been rocking it from episode number one of podcast number one here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's people like him that have all these other talents outside of doing regular normal, quote, TV stuff that we just said, let's build a sandbox. Let's let people get in it. Let's let people play. And let's just try to just tell really interesting stories. And I think, you know, that, that collaboration and that loose and freeing sort of uh, – set of handles for, for getting into this field has provided for some really special moments here in the studio with not only your show, but with Bob Jeswald's show and with uh, Phil Scoggins' Faith, Faces of Faith show, and also the sports uh, podcast we've done, and also just a couple of one-offs we've done out of the studio. So it's been, it's been really nice to see it all come together and see you guys having fun doing it.
0: Well, you know, it is a sandbox, and, you know, I'm lucky that... It, I was one of the first ones to get to play in it. And, I i mean, I love this place. This this is the closest. I came here out of newspapers, you well know, and this is the closest I get to long-form storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, it you know, I mean, I love a minute 30. You know, I got a minute 34 today, so I feel like I stole four seconds from Connor. <laughs> but, um, you know, but this is, to me, this is the fun part of the job. And to get you know, in the reason you're on tonight is you've been you've been our boss for two and a half years, but you announced a week ago that it was announced a week ago that you're going to WKRG TV News Five in Mobile. Um, congratulations! Thank, you. Thank um, you. Is it bittersweet?
1: It is. I mean, I I think about all that we. have been able to achieve together in the last two and a half years. And, you know, doing something, something, um, cutting edge, like a podcast studio is, is a part of that, but just doing good work every day, just having very talented people around me that are extremely good at what they do. And then collaborating together and keeping our focus on what's important. You know, not chasing every little, you know, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel that comes along. And instead, that's, that, to, that's,
0: a, that's, a, that's always a trap that you can fall into when you're doing daily news coverage, right?
1: I think especially nowadays with the morphing of so many platforms in our business, the danger is to, to latch onto a fad, to, to try to chase what's new, to try to game the system. Part of that is inherent in any kind of competitive sport or business, right? you you got to know what's relevant. you got to know what's new. One of the things I pride myself on is constantly being uh, a learner and, 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 and enjoying to, 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 you know, finding out what is cutting edge and does it apply to our situation. But when you talk about journalism with a capital J, you're talking about precepts and, and a calling it's, it's, it's not just a nine-to-five. I really do believe it's a calling that attracts certain kinds of people. And if you're willing to devote yourself to it and take it seriously, then you will open yourself up. I mean, I have personally have opened myself up to a career of unbelievable experiences and meeting incredible people and being able to work alongside unbelievably talented people like yourself and others on our team And it doesn't. It doesn't. You don't have to be a person that's been in the in the newspaper business for thirty years before joining a television station like yourself. I mean, I named Dylan earlier in the show, and you know, Dylan is brand new to the business and he's a freshman in college. But you know, he's doing things that are super cool, and I get excited to watch him do his thing. And there are just just countless people on our team that have those kind of unique talents, and it's a real joy to see that gumbo come together and magic happens. I mean, we just had a magical week last week and the work y'all did in DC and to see, and that's not, you know, although you and Phil Scoggins take the lion's share of credit, deservedly. So for the incredible body of work. And yeah. But, but and, and to your point, you are correct that, but to actually pull it off to plan it and pull it off, it, it was a cast of thousands. And you know, that to, to my mind, you know, scrolls through that, that, that post movie trailer list, right. And almost everybody in our team in the whole building and in our DC bureau and others that joined to help us out, you know, there's a long list of people that did little things along the way. And some of them really big things to make that week of successful coverage come to fruition in a way that we really honored Colonel Puckett and, and what he's done, and the road that he's walked to get to that moment, standing in the White House uh to receive the Medal of Honor, that was an incredibly proud moment for our team and a great accomplishment and so you know for me you know, i'm i'm not i'm not the quarterback i'm not the running back I'm the coach, so I have to stand on the sidelines and observe I coach I suggest I I help plan I get a game plan together but then at, at some point during the process as a news director the team takes the field and they're the ones that deliver and they're the ones that deserve all the credit and so to observe that happen last week was I think a real a real milestone for our newsroom and a lot of individuals in our newsroom and certainly a point of pride for me and I really couldn't have asked to go out on a higher note to be frank with you in terms of my experience here and the work we've done together
0: well you know having played a part in it I've like you I've done a lot of cool things over I mean you and I both are knocking at 35 40 years in this business and I've done a lot of things that are incredibly memorable but Friday morning in that hotel seeing Colonel Puckett in the same uniform that he wore in 1949 when he was commissioned at 94, heading to that van to go to the White House and knowing that uniform was about to be the most decorated uniform in the history of our Army. You know, it's like, you you, you know, I cry now thinking about it because that's one of the most historic moments. And, you know, not every moment can be that. I mean, some, some moments you tell people about a hotel, a new hotel, like I did tonight, but in that moment, if you don't realize the gravity of it and Phil and I both did standing there at the white house, I mean, and you could tell, yeah, you really could. I mean, it, you know, it's like, you'll laugh at this. Uh, One of the journalists I follow a lot right now is Caitlin Collins, who's the white house chief white house correspondent for CNN and we're getting ready for the five o'clock hit and Caitlin Collins walked behind her live shot.
1: I just started let it feel. I was like, (laughs) I was like, man, this is an alternate universe here, but that's great.
0: But you know, and, and I want to get into other stuff, but sure. But, it was an honor to play a role in that and thanks for everything you did to make it happen because literally Phil and I said it every turn we were set up for success and that's all you can ask for. When you go in front of the camera or you write a newspaper story, a lot of people play a role in that. And, you know, and, you know, people say, well, you did a good job. So did a lot of other folks. And I, I, echo your thoughts on that Wholeheartedly. But I want to ask you right now, I mean, after watching all that, define your news director. Define
1: mm-hmm. news? I think almost that's a false question. I mean, I'll take a run at it, but here's here's how I arrive at an answer for that. I ask instead, not what is the definition of news and that out for myself and my team instead what I try to do is ask what do people want to know you ask them they'll tell you it's not rocket science man you say well, you know well if we were to provide this sort of thing would you watch our newscasts would you read our website would you follow our social media if you ask people what they want they'll tell you what they want and then you deliver it to them and people you know although at moments especially nowadays with the way social media is and digital media is people are obsessed with you know the viral video that they see but that is that's something that's passing you know and if you strike to the core of great story and you strike to the core of things which have wide and deep impact historically colonel puckett's an example of that but that's a timeless story. That, that event happened 70 plus years ago.
0: 25,745 and days between the event yeah. and the war.
1: And, and you, t- and so that happened that long ago, but when you and Phil and the team tell that story today, people who are not familiar with the military and the military life, people know people, people know people instinctively. That's why great story connects people. And it, and, it, and it can be about something unbelievably momentous, like what Colonel Puckett did. And it can be the simple stories that we might come across on a daily basis. But if you find a story and you present it with your skill, with your experience, and you honor and respect, which circles me back around to the original question, What is news? If you respect the hunger that people have for meaning in their life, for connection to each other, for understanding of their world, for a sense of place and control over their existence, and if you serve that need with the stories you tell, then at its most pedestrian value, you can add, even if you're just doing like, quote, boring stuff. You can serve someone's needs. They will have information that they can use to make decisions about their life for themselves and their family, their businesses, and their lives can be better because of what you reported. That's the most, you know, mercenary type of approach to it. But there are moments when you and I and others in our industry are blessed and we see something developing in front of us and we, we know that's special to be able to be there in that moment and to be a part of that and then use our skill to capture that and then share that with people who aren't as fortunate as we are to be standing right there witnessing that I mean there aren't that many jobs that you get to do that you know that's that's a tremendous you know blessing and, and one of the things that just makes me excited every day when I come to work because You kind of know some of the things you're going to be doing, but the nature of our business and the nature of our craft and calling is that you must be prepared. You must be ready. You must be willing to respond in a moment's notice for something that's totally unexpected and can be joyous or tragic or tragic. And it's your responsibility to bring that to other people because That's the human experience. And to be able to share that with other people, that's a pretty amazing thing to be able to do and call your craft and your living.
0: You know, news is one thing. One thing about news, when you really see news, and it happens quickly, whether it be a homicide or a guy getting hit by a train, um, when news happens, news is something you drop everything for. Everything you thought that was important at 945 10, 15 may not be so important anymore. News can rearrange priorities like nothing else. And that, to me, that's the beauty of news. I mean, do you see it that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the surprise that awaits us every day. You know, and it it calls us to some, I mean, I don't mean to be too philosophical about it. But I mean, the, the more you do, the better you get the more as a journalist i'm talking about and as a, as a broadcaster and as as a digital author the more you do the better you get the more dedicated you are to your your craft what i really believe you're serving a need in the immediate sense but you're preparing yourself for the moment you will be called when you will you will call on every single thing you've learned to that point to bring your savvy, your skill, your ability to report, and also your compassion to make sure you get it right and honor those people that are affected by that story because that's where your first responsibility lies. If you get that right, everything else falls, falls in place.
0: You know, and I'll go back to the Colonel Puckett story. I hate to keep going back to it, but it it, it was that big. Yeah, I told somebody last week, that everything I had done for ten years covering U.S. Army Rangers, all of the stories I had written and had done on a broadcast side, had prepared me to understand what I was seeing when Ranger Ralph Puckett had that medal put around him. It, it gave me a context. I carried a context into that. That. Was far beyond anything that happened on in DC. It was years of context and friends who are Rangers and people talking about, you know, knowing the Ranger Creed, having heard them recite it. All of that provided the context that I think allowed me to help tell that story in some kind, in some way. I would agree, and th- and I think that's what you're talking about. And it's interesting because here in the WRBL newsroom, we've got a mixture of. People that have the context, Teresa, Phil, Bob, they have enormous context when it comes. You know, Teresa was a was a really good court reporter back in the day. She understands. I mean, you can watch her work with young reporters mm-hmm. when she sees court copy. What an she's, incredible mentor for those yeah. young people. Yeah, I you agree. Know, and Phil and Phil can work with them in other ways about the community. Phil understands this community on a level that most can only hope to understand it. And and Phil is one of the most respected people in this city. Phil and Teresa both. But Phil carries a respect level when you walk out with him that's unbelievable. And you know, so you've got that context of people who've been here a long time and then the the new hires and that's one of the things I think you do really well. You identify and hire talent. Probably better than any boss I've ever worked at on a mass scale. Appreciate you saying that. I mean, you can look at young people. I mean, and not as somebody who spent 15, 20 years hiring and firing and decided I did not want to do that anymore. I have great respect for that because you don't just look at a resume and hire somebody. I mean, there's background checks, there's gut instinct, there's talking to people. How do you approach hiring, the hiring aspect of what you have to do?
1: Uh, I really go into it rooting for everybody. I really do. I mean, I we are we are in a market, which the blessing of that market is what you've just illustrated, which is we have some people on our team, which they are heavy hitters. They're they're at the top of their game. They could go to any market in this country and perform at a high level. They make Columbus, Auburn, Opelika, in the surrounding counties and and I left out Liz White and yeah, and and, yeah.
0: and Liz White is unbelievable and She's sorry sorry Liz didn't mean to leave <laughs> you out
1: No no I mean we we have we have people like that on our team which it's an incredible blessing and an incredible resource to have but the nature of our business is such that a market our size and we're classified as a you know a mid to small market in terms of TV size for those that listening or watching that don't understand television markets are Ranked according to what's known as DMAs, designated market areas, and it's roughly based on uh, population, but it's based on the number of television households available to view television in those markets, and so the number one or biggest market in the country is New York. LA's Number two too. is L.A. Chicago's three and on and where's on and Atlanta on. like seven or eight? Seven, yeah. Atlanta's seven. And and we're who, we're one twenty-seven. And, and where's,
0: a, where's Mobile Pensacola?
1: Mobile's uh, I believe it's uh, fifty-seven. I think is what. So you're Mobile doing is. A, you're doing a pretty good job then. Yeah, and. Uh, and, uh, and I, that could be wrong I, I I apologize i haven't really obsessed about market size in a long time <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, bloom where you're planted, but the nature and and there's two hundred and twelve total markets in the country, the smallest one is Glen Colorado two twelve so we're about right in the middle, but anything that's plus one hundred is considered maybe somebody would call it medium somebody would call it small you know so but but our market size and the nature of um, who we're able to attract and honestly what i'm i have been so excited about while working here the nature of who we're able to provide opportunity for is one of the very cool things about what we've been able to do here for the last two and a half years and when you talk about recognizing talent and then providing opportunity to those folks i mean our newsroom right now is populated by some people that um are incredibly talented and to be able to see that one nugget or that one thread and pull on something and investigate that and then go talk to references. I mean, I won't name this person, but there's a person in our newsroom right now. And I asked that person to provide references to me and all of our candidates do that. And that, that just like everybody else, that candidate took a writing test and took a test to put together a video story and interviewed with me and all everybody else in house and did it, did other kinds of testing to, you know, to, to vet that person. But one of the references that person gave me was their fifth grade math teacher. And I thought to myself, what, that is the most, one of the most unique references I've ever gotten from <laughs> anybody. But I honored that. I honored the, 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 the reference in the, in the submission of that. And I, Call that person and set up a phone interview. That is the best reference I've ever gotten for anybody I've ever hired in my entire career. Fifth grade math? Teacher. It was amazing. It was it was the origin story of one of your fellow employees, and all of the things I had spoken about with this person to that point, and all of the things I had learned about them in terms of their dreams and their struggles and their. Their goals and their 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 what they hoped for in a career in our industry, it all came together because I, I could look back in time to a moment in that young person's life where they started down this road and, and it brought them to us. And I'm like, wow, that was just unreal how it all came together. And it told me a lot about this person's character. And let me tell you, after joining our team, that person has completely over delivered in every respect on everything they've been asked to do. And so to have a story like that and to to be able to 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 do that over time and to trust my gut maybe when I didn't have it didn't all it wasn't an easy process and, and and there's nothing negative there it was just i had to dig and i had to really work at it and so i, I know i'm rambling a bit to your original no, question no, but my know. but really what what i'm doing is i'm ex, i'm rooting for everyone who applies to just knock me out i just want to be wowed and i go into every resume reel video reel that i watch and i go into every interview that i have with somebody and i'm just sitting there hoping they just completely blow me out of my chair, and I'm like, "Wow, what what an incredible potential teammate here!" You know, um, and the other thing that I try to do, and I and I do this with anybody who calls from the industry or, or who wants to be in the industry and books a call with me just to chat and get advice. Every intern applicant and intern, every job applicant, and and, and and eventual hire here in my first conversation with all those people i tell them up front i tell them up front before we get off of this call if if even if you don't get hired for this job i want to deliver one thing to you and that's at least one actionable takeaway that will make your movement toward your dream and goal in our industry a little bit closer I can give you something that you can take away from our conversation and you can act on it today or tomorrow and that will move you closer to your goal. I am going to hire the very best person I can hire and who's available for the job for which you have applied. You may be that person. You may but may not be that person. And it's no real reflection on your worth as a person at all.
0: Sometimes it's are
1: you in the pool at the right time? Are you in the pool at the right time? Do your particular set of skills match the particular needs of that position at this point in time? If you want to do this kind of a job, it doesn't mean you can never do that job. It just may mean that you need to go to the woodshed and rep it a little bit more, put some more practice in. You know, as jazz musicians say, go to the woodshed, right? Practice some more. You can get there, you can achieve your dream, you can make it, as they say in our business. Where are you on the growth arc? And so identifying talent like that, bringing them into our our environment, and I would submit to you that one of the things I am proud of in terms of all of our colleagues here and the environment we have set up is they buy into that. I mean, you mentioned, but without prompting from me, you mentioned Teresa sitting down with young reporters and pouring herself into them to get them leveled up, to, to empower them, to make them better the spirit of generosity that we have in our operation here, I didn't do that. You know, that—that yes. that was that's inside of those people. I'm just lucky to be able to help harness that and channel that in a way to help us grow at an exp- exponential rate.
0: Well, you I know? can tell you right now, if I had given you my fifth grade math teacher as a reference, you wouldn't <laughs> have hired me. So I <laughs> know that for a fact. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because coming from – the dead tree business into this two and a half years ago. The one thing I didn't anticipate, and it's been one of the great joys, is the youth. There is a literally a fountain of youth in this room, if you're willing to look at it. I mean, it starts with folks like Dylan here, but it goes, I mean, just our reporters. I mean, almost all of them, are fresh out of school and they're from Syracuse and Texas and North Carolina A&T. They're from Kennesaw. You know, we've got people, CSU, CSU. We've got folks <laughs> from Ohio on our production staff. I mean, we've got all these interns now from Auburn and Columbia,
1: Auburn, Alabama, Troy state. Yeah. And, oh, not Troy state anymore. Troy uh, university. Troy <laughs> university.
0: Uh, I'm a <laughs> Troy state grad, so you can say that to <laughs> me, but you know, when you're, Near the end of your career, and both of us, you know, we can see we can we can see the final stop. We're not there yet, but you and I both can see that the bus is getting closer to the station. Um, I mean, we're we're about the same age, and it energizes you to come into a room with a bunch of young folks. I mean, there's something about it that's almost like a jump charge to me. And do you feel? Do you get that feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't I don't really live vicariously through those young people, mm-hmm. but you know, there was a time in my life when I was thinking about how do I how do I win that next award? You know? I mean, how and and there's a point in a lot of people's lives when the, I mean, that's a mark of okay, well, my peers are recognizing me. That's that's okay. That's there's nothing to be embarrassed about that or apologize for. But to me now, I would much rather see somebody get their first award on my team than for me to get another award. That is, that's tremendously motivating to me. I mean, I'm a competitive guy. I'm an ambitious person. All those things remain true from the day I tried, was trying to break into the business <laughs> to today. That hasn't changed. I want to win. I like to win. It's how I go about it and the role I play in that. You know, I used to be a quarterback. You know, and <laughs> I used to be a running back. You know, I'm not that anymore. I, I am I am called upon to create things and I love to create things and what I usually the same I use a similar line in all those first meetings with everybody and I answer a question rather. A lot of job applicants I, I always say and what kind of questions do you have? And invariably one of the most asked questions is Tell me a little bit about why you're there at that television station and why you're doing what you do. People ask that question. They want to speak to your motivation, correct? So my initial response is always the same thing. It's like I like to make the stuff and I like to coach the stuff. And people have told me I'm okay at both of those things. So to be able to go to work every day and practice that craft and that coaching and that encouragement and provide opportunity for young people to go from a certain point, place in their life and career to um, another place in their life and career. And you can go through recent, quote, graduates of our newsroom, and you can see a jump from market 127 to big markets. You know, Charlotte, you know, that's a big market. You know, yep, other bigger markets, people leave our newsroom and go very big. And so to see them have that kind of success in their, careers come together and their dreams come together the part of the satisfaction is knowing that long after you know I hang out my spurs there's going to be some of those people that I was able to work with and collaborate with at this tv station and others that are going to have long successful careers in part because of maybe a few of those takeaways I was able to provide to them so that that's that satisfaction to me part of the satisfaction
0: you can't say this but I can Uh, Two and a half years ago, you came in um, right after Thanksgiving in 2018. Um, You're leaving now. You're leaving it a lot better than you found it. One One of the things when you look at bosses and you look at people that do what you do, there's some people that can manage a ship that's at the top, but there are a lot of people that are fixers. Do you consider yourself a fixer?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fixer, but I'm also a chameleon. You know, I, in I, I've had the privilege to work at some newsrooms, which are incredible newsrooms. So, you know, I spoke earlier about, like you said, what is news? Well, it's what your viewer tells you they want and what they need, you know, and your experience will help you provide other things to open their eyes to other experiences and, and opportunities. But in terms of being a fixer, um, yes, I have the ability to be a fixer. But when I say I'm a chameleon, what I do is just like I look at an individual who may be a member of my team and I say, this is not about me telling that person what they're going to do. That's a very short term kind of recipe for perhaps immediate success. And sometimes you might need that in the heat of the moment on breaking news. You've just got to empower somebody to say, to be successful for the next two hours, do this you set them up for success you talked about that um, but long term instead you know I analyze what's needed and I add, you know if if you're if you're coaching the you know New England Patriots you coach in one way <laughs> if you're coaching New Orleans Saints you coach in a different way if you're coaching Manchester United you coach in a, yet a different way right yeah uh, you, you for the team for the team and the and the players to be successful on a team as as a leader i'm not successful because of what i daily bring to the table alone right yeah i'm successful if i help elevate everybody else and they're successful and then i'm along for the ride so Whatever the I, you, to short the short answer to your question is yes I've had opportunities throughout my career to go to places which needed to be fixed and I helped fix them and that was you know success, successful and satisfying.
0: But you're you've been a GM you've been a news director so you understand the whole kit and caboodle top to bottom.
1: Yeah yeah I mean I have perspective and I understand you know how different departments work together. And I'm you've done things out. right and you've made mistakes and you've learned from we all have, you know, we, we all have. And, and, you know, you carry that with you and you say, okay, well, I've got that in my toolkit now. And if I need to bring that out again and show it to somebody and say, don't do that, <laughs> I'm okay with doing that. You know, I've stubbed my toe, learn from my, <laughs> my blood, don't shed blood of your own, you know, <laughs> let me help you there. Let me help you avoid that barbed wire or the, with that thorn bush. But yeah, I mean, and, and that's one of the th- things, um, that I try to explain to people. I I I actually had this this bit of conversation with a couple of people recently, and that I think I can remember when I was in middle school and high school and thinking about like um, what I might want to do for a living. And I I was pretty good at math and science and and enjoyed that. And I was also, but people kept telling me, "Oh, you're a great writer. You're a great writer. You should do something with writing." And so, honestly. I went down the creative road because people kept telling me I was a very good writer, but I think I also, I have the mind of an engineer and the heart of an artist. Okay. And I'm able to look at a big pile of data or a big pile of stuff. And I'm able to see patterns in it or identify opportunities and unique threads and begin to pull on that thread and I'm enamored and excited by the idea of discovery. I'm not a person that has to have everything figured out before I take the first step. And that, I really believe you and a lot of you know modern entrepreneurship and business will tell you, just get something out yeah. there. Just and then start iterating.
0: That's what you did with this podcast studio in some ways. You got us out there and got us going. I want to switch gears now. Um I'm just gonna Throw it out and I'm going to see where you take it.
1: March 3rd. Uh, A sad day. A tragic day. uh, An important day. And looking back months later, a day which, or, or the memory of that day, again, specific to our team, March third was the Beauregard, the Beauregard tornadoes. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, yeah, we should say that. Um, so, the, yeah, the Beauregard tornadoes and uh, as they marched across our whole viewing
0: area. Well, I mean, they got they got everywhere everywhere we cover, but Beauregard had the loss of life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that all starts with preparation and getting ready for an event like that. And, and Bob Jeswald, our chief meteorologist, and our entire for- team of forecasters were, were they were trumpeting, they were sounding the alarm, you know, a week out. Get ready. This is going to be serious. Get ready. Prepare. 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 Um, Mother Nature is something else, though. Despite all that, sometimes she'll do what she'll do. And unfortunately, there was a tremendous loss of life. And in respect to the newsroom, you know, you you asked a question a little earlier about you know, or you made an observation about spot news, and sometimes you just have to react. I mean, we were prepared. We were ready. There's there's a concept we use in our newsroom and. Some people in the business who may be listening to this show will understand it, and, and it'll, it'll bring the epiphany to them. Folks that are not in the business will not understand it, but I'll explain briefly. It's the concept when severe weather is approaching of the picket fence, and we use that in our newsroom. And what the picket fence is is you anticipate with the aid of your meteorologists and forecasters where the most likely uh, spot of severe weather is, and then you position your crews in a picket fence along that line to be prepared to intercept, record, and report on the storm approaching. You put them
0: in safety spots like parking decks and things like that. Put them in a place where
1: they can retreat to safety, but where they can observe and report on what's occurring so you can give viewers real-time observations of the weather as it approaches and while it's actually hitting. Then after the storm passes, then you're in a position to then respond to any areas of damage. And so just like a you know, a a football line where if the play is happening over here, you might pull your guard and bring them around the back of the line. If you have somebody at this end of the picket fence and there's nothing going on, you pull them and bring them around to where the action is. So we deployed our picket fence that day. And when it became apparent that the center of destruction was in Beauregard, then, of course, you converge on the scene. And, of course, Liz White was first on the scene and did tremendous work that day. That's some of the finest reporting I've ever seen. Amazing. Truly amazing um, you know, and respectful, respectful people. I mean, that's a tremendous loss of life, and she was right there observing as people were not had not even realized, honestly, the full extent of what occurred. And in real time to be reporting live and not only to be able to show what is happening, but to have the presence of mind and respect for those people that were hurting to know, no, I'm not going to show that particular thing. To be able to navigate that in real time, unbelievable skill for a reporter and tremendous respect for her and so glad that when we were that was our moment when we were trying to relay that information to people that we had someone of her caliber on the ground observing and making those kind of decisions in real time to not not abuse the trust we have to to, to relay that information to people but to make those decisions about sometimes what not to show and what not to report.
0: And that and that's a tougher call on the broadcast side than the print side because you have time to evaluate on the print side. When that camera's rolling, you're live, the evaluation time is – zero at yeah. some, some points. And, you know, it was interesting to me because I had been over here three months at the time and I had always covered weather, like a good newspaper guy, reactionary, you know, okay, hitting Beauregard. Now, 30 minutes later, get to Beauregard. I'd never seen it in real time where Bob and Cody, and I'm trying to remember it was Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff was the third meteorologist in the studio that day. And, Bob and Cody and Jeff, they started talking about the pattern. And they, I mean, they said Highway 51, this, and all of a sudden, I'm going, whoa. And I, you could see Bob just all of a sudden became serious, laser focused. And he said, this is real. And he starts beginning to prep. Not. Ten minutes later, I'm in here working the phones. Okay, what was the damage? Get a call from Liz. Liz goes, it hit by regard, terrible destruction. Two minutes later, I mean, this is within 15 minutes of seeing the red spot on the on the radar. Liz calls, and I think, I, mean, I may be getting this right. If I'm getting it wrong, Liz, I apologize. But Elizabeth calls in and says, three dead. Call shortly after this is going to get a lot worse, you know. And all of that was just so quick, yeah, so real. And you're you're sitting there now in the news director's chair. You're having to make some really, I mean, because it wasn't just Beauregard. You gets hit. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know. And then it once it gets clears out of Beauregard, it starts hammering Talbotton and over in that area. Yeah, yeah. North Columbus got peppered. I mean. You're sitting there, you're all of a sudden having to deploy every tool at your disposal. I mean, how do you keep your, how do you keep your composure in those situations when there's death and destruction at every turn?
1: Yeah. Well, you, uh, you can be steeled in the moment by experience. And I've covered a lot of severe weather in my life. So. I mean, That's you covered of it. it. You
0: covered Hurricane Floyd when you were in the Carolinas, right? Yeah,
1: Floyd yeah. and the flood, flood of the century over there. Yeah, and I've covered a bunch of other storms, you know, tropical weather and snowstorms, snowstorms, ice storms, tornadoes, thunderstorms, derecho. You know, I'm a weather geek. That's that's not that's not twisting winds. That's so, straight I mean, line winds. You that jokingly, stuff over, you know? you
0: jokingly <laughs> said in your in your your thing, you sent me to prepare me because you knew I probably wouldn't prepare as well as I should. Uh, you know me well over the last two and a half years uh, to prepare me. You said you've been in the eyes of more storms than anybody. I mean, and you have.
1: Yeah, but, probably probably not a, a Cantori. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah. but I, I grew up in New Orleans, and so. You know, New Orleans gets hit every year by hurricanes, practically. Uh, my I'm the son of immigrants. My father is from Utila, Islas de la Bahia, Honduras, Central America. My mother's from West Germany. So I would spend my summers as a child either in Germany with my mother or in Honduras with my grandmother. So invariably, if I would go to Honduras with my grandmother, a, tur- a hurricane would hit while we were down there. And so I've had the misfortune to be in the eye of a bunch of hurricanes before I even started in our business and then the nature of what we do, especially along the Gulf coast is you chase storms and you go put yourself where you think that hurricane's going to come ashore. And several of the, you know uh, responsibilities I've been charged with at various TV stations over the years was as the hurricane producer and planner for several TV stations. And so I would, I uh, specifically, I, honestly, Baldwin County, Pensacola, Mobile, Mississippi, along the Gulf Coast. There, I, I, I know. For instance, at least one point in time, you could park a satellite truck in the in the alley beside the Fairhope Police Station and protect it from the wind, and get a live shot out with having to put your without having to put your satellite dish down because of the wind. That will come safe. in handy when you do your job. Team. <laughs> now I don't know if the, I don't know if Fairhope PD is in the same building still, but I remember telling the satellite driver squeeze that truck in between those two buildings. You know, if my memory serves me correctly, and you're going to be able to put the dish up and hit the bird, and you're going to be able to go live, and you're not going to have to take your signal down. And that's one of the storms. I can't remember which storm it was it. Marched right up Mobile Bay, so the so the the angry side of the storm was actually the eastern shore there in Baldwin County. But um, you know it. it Severe weather is, is, it, is it, coverage is in phases. The first phase is to make people aware as far out as you can that threatening weather might be in the cards. Is that why somebody point. like Jez
0: Wald is so valuable to be a part He's of He's
1: unbelievable. He's a you know, people, some people think that, you know, weather, weather, uh, the weatherman is an entertainer, you know, and Bob's a personable guy and a friendly guy, and that comes across on television, but... A meteorologist is a scientist, a scientist that understands weather, that has experience in forecasting in our area specifically. Bob has tremendous experience. And, you know, he makes the call. I say, Bob, what do you think? When? How bad? And he makes a call. He puts his reputation on the line and says, here's my forecast. And then I take, as the leader of the newsroom, that forecast, and I make a plan based on that forecast to put our teams in position to give the best coverage possible to the people watching us online, on social, and then on the air leading up to the storm, during the storm, so that when Bob says, take cover, People know it's serious and they should take action to protect life and property, their family. Somebody and, was and asking after me, the storm.
0: Somebody was asking me what Bob And I said, Bob's one of the most powerful people at our station. They said, what do you mean? I said, Bob can change my schedule and all of my colleagues' schedule just by looking at the boss and saying, this storm is going to hit tomorrow night between 8 and midnight. All of a sudden, everybody's schedule for Thursday from 8 to midnight just changed. Absolutely. And And Bob can do that. And, you know, you can't be the guy who cried wolf. But... You know, which means you've got to be confident in your ability. You know, it's like he had one earlier this year. It's like, okay, you know, we need to be aware. Well, the worst of it was in the union. That's close enough for government work to me that, I mean, I'm going to listen to Bob every time on stuff like
1: Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 you know, in situations like that, you know, there's, to me, there's nothing wrong with preparing our team, preparing viewers, and then – Mother Nature takes a turn. I, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase we use in our newsroom where it's, it's, we root for the people, not the storms. So if the storm doesn't show up, I'm happy. <laughs> our viewers are not in danger. <laughs> you know, it took a turn and went someplace else, and God bless those people that have to deal with the impact of that. But I'm okay with preparing and being ready should – we be needed, and 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 then ultimately it not being as bad as we feared it might be. I'm I'm plenty okay with that.
0: We're getting near the end of this. I want to pick a couple of things up real quickly. Sure. One, a news director has a lot of responsibility. Politics is very; it's a very divisive sport right now. Just about everybody in our viewing area is on a team. I mean, it's divided communities, even families into different teams. How do you make sure, and I'm not going to steal the thing, but how do you make sure that political reporting is fair and balanced?
1: I mean, it sounds trite, but you just stick to the facts. It's unfortunate that Our current climate puts a lot of people in a position to question basic facts and to follow the call of a certain party or belief on, on both sides, honestly, at times, you know, at the expense of what's true. I mean, look look at the facts. What happened When did it happen? Who did it? We're not in the business for rooting for one side or the other. That is not our place. Our place is to report the facts and to let the people decide. They will decide who to follow. They will decide for whom to vote. Our job is to simply report. Sometimes, especially nowadays, it's specific to politics, we're not going to make anybody happy (laughs) Amen. on Tuesday. We will report something. We see it. There it is. We simply said, we went there. We saw this. We shoot video of it and we place that in front of viewers and say, and we don't make any value judgments about it. It's simply, this is what we saw. This is what we captured. Here it is. Now you use that information to empower yourself to make a decision about uh, a vote perhaps. Um, And, to that Tuesday, we will, we will anger one side of the equation. And Wednesday, we might see something else and report that, and we'll anger the other side. That's okay. That's, that's the role we play. We have to accept that responsibility. It's not about being loved. It's about being accurate. Last and year, last time, year. Time will... I believe that, you know, that there's, what's the saying about journalism? It's the witness to history or the first draft, first of, draft history. of history. I believe so. You know, in the end, we you know, some of the work you do as a journalist, some of the work we all do as journalists is going to be judged one way today, right? And if you are a media person who is enamored of and intoxicated by immediate return of validation and popularity then you're probably in the wrong business because the first draft of history sometimes is not interpreted correctly or accurately and only after the fact years later do people realize wow they were speaking truth to power okay I'll accept that responsibility
0: it's it is a responsibility
1: you know, it's really
0: interesting because even small, smaller markets uh, in Georgia, like uh, Augusta, Macon, Savannah, we all got a seat in the political big time from. November. I mean, we even had an extra seat because we had the Tuberville Jones race. Yeah, yeah. But in Alabama, but we all had a seat, and then those runoffs, and then everything that was at stake. What an incredible year! Yeah, it wow. was. But I mean, and it was people like me got to do stuff that network people get to do. Network quality stories were literally in our civic center parking lot. Yes, and I mean, as somebody who's directing the news, what do you think when you're looking at your people and going, Okay, you know, folks, this isn't normal? This is, I mean, particularly the young folks. I mean, this isn't this doesn't happen every election cycle. You're in something unique here with the Ossoff Warnock, Leffler, Purdue racism.
1: You, you, uh you know, I can remember being a young young journalist and sometimes not understanding or realizing when I was confronted with something unique, historic, or special. And so you've seen me recently, the Puckett stuff yeah. was an instance where I made sure to point out to younger members of the team or, or I should say less experienced members of the team, hey, wake up. Be aware and realize how special this moment is and how special it is for you to be a part of it, to be able to practice your craft on this story in this moment because I don't want them to realize like I did in some, on some stories I covered only after the fact, wow, well, that was a big deal. I didn't keep my eyes as wide as I should have been. I mean, I did a good job, but I didn't appreciate it for the fact that I was in it. And I want them to know that and appreciate that and log it so they can they can say, yeah, I was there. I was a part of that. Does that make sense and answer your question? Okay. Yeah, it, it
0: really does. And I think, you know, I mean, you know, I was doing a lot of the political stuff, and one of our young reporters who was getting a piece of it came to me and basically said they realized it, and they said, listen, I know you're doing this. I know the politics is your game. But quit hogging all the stories. I mean, <laughs> share some of these stories with some of us younger folks. And you know, and I'm a kill it eat it kind of guy as a reporter. If I if I kill it, I'm gonna eat it. And that and that statement that, that you know, and I'll just say it was Blake. It was Blake Eason, uh talented young guys you've made who's our morning show host. Mm-hmm. I mean, Blake absolutely changed my thinking and he has got me. Something I didn't do very well in the newspaper side I'm doing now, I'm trying to share. I'm trying to share stories and sources and things in a way that help that help some of the younger people get some of the bigger pieces of pie because we're only going to be better when we do that. But it took a younger reporter kind of pointing out to me, hey, man, give me some of
1: that stuff. That's one of the great things about our room and the people in our room because, and if you recall, what happened after you did that, he delivered. Oh, He was on some big political stories, (laughs) including election night. Yeah. He absolutely delivered. Shakir speaks too. you know, who's in Charlotte now. Yeah. I mean, just, just young reporters that were in that big moment. They, they delivered the goods when, 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 when they were called upon, they delivered the goods. So, you know, that's part of that aspect that, you know, I try to employ like rooting for everybody, prepare them to succeed, tee them up to succeed. So you you have to you have to let them run at some point. Yep, get out there and do it. And you know and they completely. I mean, they're not the only ones, but those those two people were you know the less some of the less experienced members of our team, and they delivered the goods. Well, all they, over the place, on and that they understood night. what they were dealing with. Yes, and they, they did. They had the epiphany.
0: Well, we are near the end. um We'll do what we do on the, all the Chuck Williams shows. We're going to turn the table. This ought to be fun. Uh, <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> I forgot about this feature. <laughs> I would have prepared
0: better. <laughs> no, I kind of, I kind of didn't remind you on purpose. Uh, turn the tables. This is a chance where you, as the guest, I've been asking the questions for the last hour. You get to ask me something.
1: We've talked a lot about experience. We've talked a lot about the novice present in. Some of the younger younger members of our staff but also honestly in you on certain aspects of craft and me and i try to learn every day so i um, it's a two-part question okay so it it is a it's a rewind for the first part and then it's a projection it's a crystal ball okay for the second part okay so the rewind is knowing what you're doing now and looking back at chuck williams in that the early years of his newspaper career what do you wish you could tell that young reporter back then to better prepare them for what they would be confronted with during the course of their career
0: i'll answer it seriously and flippantly the flippant answer is that in the early part of my career All of my roommates were TV guys, every single one of them for about five years. I probably should have gone to work with them instead of where I went. (laughs) Uh, That's the flippant part. I think the, the serious answer to that is it's a ride and it's a roller coaster. There are going to be incredible ups and there are going to be incredible downs. You've got to make sure you're level-headed. You've got to make sure you are looking at the whole picture and not through through a scope of a shot of a of a rifle. You know, there are times you've got to look at things through the, through the scope, but you're better off when you're looking, you know, at a more panoramic view of what you're covering. And I think the other part would be enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It's you have chosen a profession that's not gonna make you rich, but you have chosen a profession that's gonna give you some of the richest memories. Last week, I mean I'll go back to the Colonel Puckett sure. stuff. Phil and I were standing there. They had the they had fifty something soldiers, all airmen, marines, coast guard, they were all holding a state flag. They had lined the driveway. Leading into the White House, we heard the gate crack, brr, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting there watching the President of the Republic of South Korea, as far from me to you, drive down a driveway like he was pulling in to a McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> it was like that. It was like holy cow. I mean, where do you get to see a head of state literally just roll in and get out of the car right there in front of you? So enjoy that. Enjoy enjoy it. It's a great ride. Enjoy it. And then.
1: So you're looking in the crystal ball and you're looking at Chuck down the road here, 10 years from now or so. What do you want to make sure that you um, see then um, in that Chuck that you have not yet experienced or achieved at this point in your career?
0: Uh, you'll appreciate this. I want to get better at video editing. I want to be able, I mean, I told a story with words. I painted my pictures with words. Well, two and a half years ago, all of a sudden, I started had to take the pictures, put the pictures together. And I'll be honest with you. If somebody had shown me a picture of this Two and a half years ago, me sitting in front of a laptop editing video that I had shot, I'd have said, uh uh-uh, uh, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm 59 years old. Old dog, trick is too new. <laughs> and, you know, I would have, I would have balked at it. And, you know, in, and I mean, if I had seen that, it would have been very hard for me to have taken that job. I said, "I'll just ride the other train as long as it'll take me." And you know, the best thing I ever did was David,
1: uh, our general manager,
0: David Hart, our general manager, bring me in. And then you kind of you've been you've been a really good mentor to me. And thank you, you, know, you. I appreciate you saying that. And that you know, and you know, just like you in this business, we go get scouting reports on each other. I mean, we all. I mean, even. Newspaper, I mean, we've got it both to have a very dear mutual friend, Cal Callaway, who's the managing editor of
1: Fox 5 in Atlanta. Yeah, and Cal, yeah great guy and great, great broadcaster and, and great journalist, too.
0: Really top-notch. And, you know, Cal was the one who talked me into doing this. Cal was the guy I talked to every step of the way before I made the decision. And then I'll never get calm. I said, yeah, they've just hired a general manager. And he said, who is it? I said, some guy named Gene Kirkconnell. Cal started laughing and goes, Oh man, that's the best thing that can happen to you uh, I was like I was like what well, I said Jeans are pro He said, man you t- that's, that's good funny. for you so uh, and y'all had worked together and around each other in Birmingham right yeah, yeah yeah so
1: Cal was at Fox six when I was across the street and then later on I went to Fox six uh, there in Birmingham and he had, had already had a great gone. run there and he'd moved on to Atlanta at that point but and then of course his wife of course is a a professional in the the business as well and very accomplished. And
0: she was a CNN anchor for a while.
1: Catherine's Catherine's amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, we have reached the end of the Chuck Williams show, Dylan. How did we do that, man? We just keep (laughs) pulling these off. Uh, We're at the point now where I've got to tell you that about the, we're social or we're no oh, okay, Apple, Audible, okay. Spotify. Oh yeah, Apple, Audible, and Spotify. Which we're getting closer to getting that done. I understand. Hopefully that'll be that'll be done pretty quickly. Where you can get these in the traditional podcast ways. If not, at least for now, every Tuesday, seven p.m. The Chuck Williams Show, streaming live on WRBL.com. Also on social media, and I love social media. You can get me at Twitter at Chuck Williams, Facebook. Uh, Chuck Williams WRBL, and you also can get me on Instagram at Chuck Williams zero nine nine nine. Well, that's it, guys. We've reached the end of another Chuck Williams show, and it's. It, I guess I didn't tug on Superman's cape or spit in the wind. I think it was a good conversation. I knew it would be, Gene. I, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. You, 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 and I think I, I speak for. my all of my colleagues, when I say we wish you the best of luck in Mobile and Pensacola and save us a place at the beach house.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to be joining that team. But as you said, one of the first things you said during the show was, "It is it bittersweet? It is bittersweet. I'm going to miss you guys. It's been a pleasure to serve alongside you. Godspeed, man.
0: That brings us to the conclusion of another conclusion. How do you say conclusion, Dylan? Help me with that. (laughs) Conclusion of another Chuck Williams show. I would say reporting live from the White House, Chuck Williams, but we'll just say conclusion of another Chuck Williams show. And we hope you join us back next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Be blessed.